0: You're a legend, Fred. You're bloody right I am.
1: Welcome back to the show. This is Real Ripe and Real Rotten. This is a podcast where we're taking a look at the highs and lows of usually it's your favorite Hollywood artists. Each month, me and Clay are going to be using Rotten Tomatoes to determine the best and the worst film in one individual filmography. That's usually the way it goes. This is a very special event because we're going to be doing the best and the worst of the 2018, I guess 2019 Oscar nominees. So it'll be the 2018 Best Picture nominees, which are going to be doing Bohemian Rhapsody and Black Panther, and then a B-roll. And uh, I'm joined by Clay, Clay McCormick. How are you?
0: I'm good. You know, I'm happy to be here. It's just an honor to be nominated.
1: Basically, if if, <laughs> if you're if you're kind of putting out a subpar product, it's nice just to be able to uh, acknowledge that the Oscars have expanded their list to ten. Although I think there's only eight nominees this year. Did they change something? Have you? Uh, did you notice I, that? You don't know. I, th- I don't know. I, I, th-
0: I haven't been following it. Once they started expanding the number of be- of nominees, I kind of checked out because mm. it's like, well, okay, whatever.
1: Ten, ten seems like too much. Eight seems okay. It I does. think I think I was counting eight the last time I did it. I don't know if they've cut it down slightly to get rid of that. But uh, yeah, it's no longer the tight little five that they usually had. But anyway, we're going to be doing, as usually we uh, we look at the high and the low of a single person, an actor, a director, an actress, or a director, directress. Uh, this time we're going to be doing the best and the worst for the best picture nominee. So Black Panther is the best. I think it's at 97%. Bohemian Rhapsody is what we're going to be talking about today. It's at 62% on the tom- Tomatometer, And the critical consensus is, Bohemian Rhapsody hits a handful of high notes, but as an in-depth look at a beloved band, it offers more of a medley than a true greatest hits collection. So, Clay, this is kind of unusual. We don't really have a uh, a theme while we're talking about one person for this one. We're just going to be talking about two very different movies with Black Panther mm. and Bohemian Rhapsody, and then whatever the third one is. But let's... um. Let's get into Bohemian. I guess I'll start this with, what do you think of Queen outside of the movie?
0: Uh, I am. I love Queen. Um, I have listened to Queen for a long time. Uh, for most of my experience with Queen, they've been very much a greatest hits band for me. Uh, because when you start to go digging into their albums, their albums are really weird uh especially a lot of the earlier ones uh i there's for instance there is a severe lack of of ogre battle in this in this movie Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh ogre battle being one of the songs from their early albums where a lot of their songs were just about fantasy shit um yeah i i uh i've rediscovered them a little bit in the last i don't know six months because i came across this amazing live album from like 1972 where it's 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 very early on but And it's a lot of the earlier stuff But man, they were an unbelievable live band Like it's If you go and you listen to You see Queen Most of the Queen that you see Is the later, more polished arena rock Queen and you kind of forget that these guys were just a, an amazing hard rock band mm-hmm. and that this early album was is very much like captures that energy and everything i highly recommend it. it's uh
1: Round about what year would it be they started in 70 would it have been I, like the mid 70s i think it's
0: like 72 oh okay so pretty it's early pretty early yeah uh it's it's like live at the hammersmith or something i can't remember exactly what it's called
1: yeah i um i, I always well, treated I gonna, uh, well i treated ahead, queen sorry. as a uh the same kind of a greatest hits thing. I don't, I I like them a a little bit more than I used to at this point. Although I always thought that they were kind of a band that I appreciated more than I actually sort of got any kind of visceral reaction out of, because Mm -hmm. a lot of Mm -hmm. it seems a little bit too intellectually um, overthought in a lot of ways. Like (laughs) their songs, you could could argue that there are some of their songs are overwritten, um, I suppose, but Mm -hmm. they are a, they're certainly unique. No one really sounds like Queen and the, Breadth. And if you do,
0: if you do sound like Queen, you sound like Queen. Like yes. no one has managed to take that style and evolve it. And turn it it's into just like, yeah. oh, they're doing a Queen thing.
1: The the yeah, the thing about it is just like the the breadth of how diverse their sound is is fairly impressive mm-hmm. for the for the band and everything like that. And obviously Freddie Mercury, is famous as one of the uh, the more famous and one of the more influential frontmen that they ever did. So I'll just give you a couple facts about the uh, the movie here. Came out in 2018. It's a biographical film about the British rock band Queen. It follows singer Freddie Mercury's life from joining the band in 1970 to their Live Aid performance in 1985. Directed by Brian Singer, in between some sexual harassment uh, allegations, it's written by Anthony McCartan, produced by Graham King and Queen manager Jim Beach. stars Rami Malek as Mercury, Lucy Boynton, Wimley Lee, Ben Hardy, Joe Mazzello, Aiden Gian, Gian I think is how you pronounce his name, Tom Hollander, a, uh, Alan Leach, and Mike Myers in supporting roles. Queen members Brian May and Roger Taylor served as creative and musical consultants. The bass player Deacon did not because he's apparently a recluse at this point. He just does not come out into public. He left the band immediately after Freddie Mercury died. I enjoyed the show. I also write songs our lead singer just quit and then you'll need someone new I love the way you move on stage the whole room belongs to you don't you see what you could be
0: no one will play us on the radio we need to get experimental
1: and lightning, very, very frightening do it again
0: Galileo.
1: one more how many more
0: Galileos do you want?
1: Roger, there's only room in this band for one hysterical queen. Mark these words. No one will play a queen. Fortune favors the bold. Freddie, concerning your private life. What more do you need to know? I make music. I want to give the audience a song that they can perform. What's the lyric? (laughs) Sing it, Ready, Freddy? Let's do it. We are the my friend. You need to slow down, Fred. I, I just need a bit of time. What if I don't have time? We're all legends. Arthur! That's it. So, let's talk about the film here, Clay. This is the worst one. It's at 62% on the <coughs> critic Rotten Tomato uh, Tomato Meter. It's at mm-hmm. 88% on audience um, mm. standing. So, it's a little bit more liked by uh, the audiences. I've seen on Twitter a lot of back and forth about people who really like this and a lot of more critically thinking people tend to really dislike it. Um, to I guess to kick us, off, kick us off, one of the big things that people complain about is accuracy towards what actually happened with Queen. Uh, mm-hmm. Apparently the movie takes a lot of liberties. I don't really know because I'm not really a Queen expert, but um, I would say, how, how do you view biopics? Or like what would... Are, are if if you think that this is more leaning towards like a sort of fantasy version of what Queen is, would you prefer a more documentary documentary look at it, or do you think that something where you take a little bit of liberties with it is okay?
0: Well, I that's that's the problem. I mean, that's the the question you have to answer when you do these movies, right? And I, you know, I think that I prefer. I think it's really it's really tough because when you when you get into these things where, where especially with music movies right where you have so many like uh, musical beats that you want to hit or famous incidents or like oh this is how they recorded that song it's really tough to do that and tell like a really tight story uh, and they usually end up going from uh, uh, start of the band to finish of the band. And I, as I've gotten older, um, prefer, as far as biopics go, I am much more of a fan of let's take a section of this person's life and tell you a story about them through that that section. So, like, the one I always point to that does that really well is Capote. Capote is a, is a biopic about Truman Capote, but you know, it's not about him as a kid up through when he died. It's specifically about the writing of In Cold Blood. Yep. And you get, <clears throat> excuse me, you get him as a character through all of the events that happen. They tell inside that that story.
1: The most famous when you, point of his life, to be fair, too. It's, so it's, right. it's a yes. big event. Yeah, yeah. It defines. Yeah, him. it's
0: not just like a Tuesday in Truman Capote's life. Yeah, uh, which is why I was upset because I thought this movie was going to be all about the recording of the Highlander soundtrack, but that <laughs> apparently isn't what they wanted to do. Um, but uh, yeah, I I think. The problem with when you do movies like this, and I, it was my main problem with this movie, is everything just seems like such just like checklist of incidents, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it feels very Star Trek Discovery in a lot of ways. I it was does. Thinking. It yeah. does.
0: Yeah they they go so fast, so fast through events of of forming the band, uh, playing, recording, playing shows, getting famous, and almost all of that stuff happens like off screen mm-hmm. oddly enough yep it feels very
1: feels very small too like I the the pacing is funny to me because it's you know I'll just mention these as points but like their first gig they sound like the tightest rock and roll band that has ever played together you know you know what I mean there's no they don't have yeah. time in the movie to have like a learning curve with them it's just they immediately are kicking the shit out of the audience the minute that they're playing together and then as, as things move on, Things move so quickly that you never really get the scale of how big Queen is becoming at that right. point. It, it yeah. feels like it's always just the four of them in a room with their manager, and there's no fans, there's no sort of crazy stuff going on. Mm-hmm. It's just them talking about uh, one album, and then the next scene is them like, "Well, now we're touring the U.S. and our album is number one on the charts," and there's no real right. difference between it. Yeah,
0: and the, and the, it's just like a lot of quick shots and stuff. And uh, I actually found this movie very similar to the Doors movie with the with uh, the Oliver Stone doors movie with val kilmer um and i actually went back and i watched that last night while i was working and uh it's it's got a lot of the similar beats except that the doors movie really does a good job whether or not this is how things actually went and given it's an oliver stone movie it probably wasn't mm-hmm. um of portraying the doors as this like t- uh cultural touchstone of of uh, the the time period they were in, where they're doing these shows, and they're just these—you're getting shots of the crowd, these massive crowds, and you know Jim Morrison's jumping into the into the crowd and leading this like giant, you know, dance circle thing. Like you get a sense of how big these guys were, um, at least, or the, you get a sense of where the myth comes from, you know. Yeah. And I don't feel like you really get that in this movie. It's 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 a lot of Queen. It, it, another way it's like discovery is that it's a it's kind of Queen just making all the right decisions for yes. an hour. <laughs> they
1: they like do they, they don't do, do anything right. wrong. Yeah.
0: Freddie Mercury never has a misstep. Um, and also, you don't really get any time with the band. So you know they talk about the band being this family. And uh, that's sort of the the cornerstone of this. Well, the cornerstone of the movie is his relationship with with the, with with I forget her name, the, the girl.
1: Mary is it uh, Mary? Mary, yeah. yeah.
0: But even that is like mostly done off screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of him on tour, and a lot of like uh, Im- implying. That's the. Other, <laughs> I'm sure we can talk about all this stuff, but I found it hilarious how they they imply a lot of stuff that Freddie Mercury did, but they can't show it to you because it's a PG-13 movie. Yes.
1: The most, um, the most comical of which is the, the party that they're at, where everyone's like, mm. you know, Mary doesn't come to these kind of this is this party is absolutely off the fucking hook. They're talking about it. It's just them sitting in a circle drinking, cool like cocktails. You know, what I mean? yeah. it's like that. It's yeah. the tamest party you've ever seen. No one's doing cocaine. No one's doing any kind of drugs. There's no sexual stuff going on in the back. It's like a, it's just such a PG rated party that the characters all have to act like this is Freddie Mercury going off the deep end with his partying. Hmm. Yeah, it's very silly. Yeah. Ah, oh, Majesty. we oh, not her Majesty. We're her Majesty, darling. Cheers. Oh. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. 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 Thank you, my love. Butch. Where's Mary? Uh, it's. It's not exactly her scene,
0: is it, Freddie? <laughs> hmm. And it it just overall it felt like the first half of the movie felt like. You know. Queens rise to the top, which was completely unimpeded and they made the right decisions every step of the way. And then once Freddie Mercury has his like breakdown, which is even, even that isn't really that intense. All of that stuff happens in the span of like 15 minutes. And then the end of it is just a live aid performance, which I will say, I thought the live aid performance was great. I thought, uh, Rami Malik overall, I thought he was great. Um, the uh, the biggest inaccuracy, if I had to pick one aside from the lack of Highlander, is uh, Freddie Mercury wasn't diagnosed with AIDS until 1987. Yes. And Live Aid is in 1985. Yep. However, condensing that down gives you this amazing moment that I thought worked incredibly well, which is when they're at Live Aid and he's playing Bohemian Rhapsody, and the lyrics to that song just completely take on a a, a totally different tenor, mm-hmm. for going from just this you know operatic story to more or less being a a uh, uh, expression of his own feeling about his life to to a certain extent. Yep. Um. And his and looking at his future with this disease that's that is going to kill him. And I thought that stuff was great. Um. But I. Aside from that, I felt like a lot of the emotional beats were kind of unearned. You know, it was a lot... I thought they were well acted. Like, I thought uh, the coming out scene with his girlfriend was was great. But again, that was not super really earned, but it was really well acted.
1: Yes. Um.
0: Yeah. So, I guess, yeah. I guess for me, it was just... It was... It, it fell into the trap of a lot of these movies where it's like they're covering so much time that they just kind of hit... Beat, 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 beat. And then... Try to force some emotionality, if that's a word, onto it, and it just—I don't know—it felt kind of hollow. I mean, it was fun. It's like a, it's like a movie about Queen for your aunt, yes. essentially. You know? Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I I loved the music. I loved the. Probably some of my favorite parts were. Like, I guess I'll start with this. I I thought that this movie, there's a lot of really interesting things about Queen, and I thought mm. this movie skillfully navigated around all of them in a lot of ways, mm. like the. The fact that Queen, as a... Well, so I guess you have to look at it, too. This is... A, it's a movie about Freddie Mercury that happens to have Queen in it, sort of. Like, right. Queen is not really the focus. And I think that that was one of the bigger mistakes, um, in my opinion. Maybe not a mistake, but I would have I preferred the movie to be more of a Queen-focused thing, where the band was not just, say, background uh, actors mm. to the entire thing. Because if they're going to make this about Freddie Mercury... Apparently, Freddie Mercury's life is not that interesting to the point (laughs) to the point where I don't know if the movie can support it. And I actually get a lot more enjoyment thinking about how how bizarre a band queen is like Mm. the film never touched into they they touch on it a lot. The fact that they all took individual royalties for the songs that they wrote, Mm -hmm. which is a very it's not uncommon, but it's a very unusual and interesting decision for me when a band makes that call that they're all going to have their own soul writing credits. And the scene where they talk about, uh, uh, not Deacon, what's, uh, Roger Taylor, is that the drummer? Um, yes, yeah. Roger Taylor is talking about how he wrote that uh, I want to fuck my car song. Yeah. <laughs> and that song, that song was a point <clears throat> of contention in the band because it became the B-side to the single release of Bohemian Rhapsody. So mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. Freddie Mercury got paid for Bohemian blowing up, Roger Taylor just clung along and made a whole shit ton of money off of it as mm-hmm. well because his song was the B-side and they talk about that more in terms of the band trying to figure out what songs go on the album they don't really get into it and and stuff like that is really interesting to me about queen and also the where their the movie kind of portrays their musical style is just they sort of had like divine inspiration about how to make rock music and it doesn't go into the like where their influences came and everything because mm. they're such a weird unique band I would have felt there would have been a lot to like, where does the operatic influence come from? Outside of just, you know, Rami Malek one day he hears put on... Yeah, <laughs> one day he put on an album while right. they were... While the, they were you know. talking to their uh, agent or lawyer or whatever they were doing. And it, mm-hmm. and I, I felt it missed all of that. And getting back to Freddie, and I'll throw it to you, um, Freddie Mercury's life and the story that they tell about here felt like they had to artificially pepper in conflict that mm-hmm. didn't really... Feel natural to me, or it didn't feel like the story really earned it. It felt very cliche. Like every kind of rock story would have this kind of thing going on with it. And they Mm. they mostly avoided the most interesting thing, which is his homosexuality and like what that would have been like for the band and every like how that influenced everything and how his lifestyle influenced things and what the kind of like tension about how he was choosing to live his life ended up doing to him and things like that. And I thought that the film just kind of glossed over all of that, and you ended up with a very bland, very pretty and well-acted, very bland rock story that was kind of generic on a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, I, you know, it, it feels like a movie about a band where the band members are involved and trying to make a per, more or less protective depiction of their story. It's which the opposite
1: is... of Ray. I, I thought Ray is the yeah. total opposite, where <laughs> I, I respect the movie Ray because I walked away thinking less of... Uh, Ray, you know, by the yeah. end of it, I was yeah. like, "Wow, this guy was a real asshole, but what an interesting movie."
0: And same, same with the Doors movie. Uh, say what you want about the Doors, the the movie, you know, they don't shy away from all of the fucking crazy shit that Jim Morrison got into, and you know, they even they even play it up for probably better because it makes it more interesting. Um, but this one, it feels very safe. It's it's very much, uh, you know, the band was together and they were good. And they were they were they were fine with each other, and then Freddie got into some stuff. But you know we don't want to talk about the stuff that he got into. Let's just say that he 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 started running with a bad crowd, mm-hmm. and uh, then they made up. Yes, and that's kind of it. Yep. And the thing you know one of the one of the points that really stood stood out to me as completely unearned is uh, after he comes back into the fold when they have that meeting at the at the lawyer's office there. And he says, I went off and I made this solo album in Germany and I hired these musicians and they did exactly what I wanted. And then Brian May is like, what was the problem? And he goes, that they did exactly what I wanted. I didn't have you guys there to push back at me and and give me all this stuff. And it's like, did you not watch the movie you're in? Every scene of them doing anything is Freddie Mercury just suggesting stuff and they just do it and it turns out amazing. Yes. Yep. You know, there's there is no pushback from anybody. There's no interband conflict. Even if it doesn't have to be like a malicious conflict, there's no up until that point. It's just like everything they do it turns to gold. And even from the minute he joins the band, and not, you know, again to compare it to The Doors movie. In The Doors movie, when they form The Doors, you get at least a little bit of them kind of sucking and just like <laughs> right. really kind of figure it out and like you see how jim morrison develops his onstage persona and and gives into the the pull of the crowd and everything from from this one it's like as soon as he gets on stage it's just note perfect freddie mercury and queen yeah and it's there's not there's not even like a band joining process or like a false step there's not even like a, you know, the first show, the biggest problem in the first show they play is he can't get the microphone off the stand.
1: Yeah. He gets, he gets a little heckled. He, he gets a racist heckling, but then he, uh, as soon as he gets the mics out of there, he he's rocking and rolling. Same with them. Um, the bass player is new at that point. They introduced him as the new bass player, but the band sounds, sounds tight. They sound like they've been performing yeah. together for 10 years. Sounds like
0: Queen. Yep. Yeah. And they just, if they go, they just added a bass player and all of a sudden they have like, <laughs> t- tie your mother down or what, like this. <laughs> massive hit from them is just all is just there. Yep. Yeah. Um, not that, not that I think that you need another scene of them writing a song. Cause God, there are a lot of them in this one. Uh, again, like a divine intervention writing of a song kind of thing. Um, and I think those scenes can be a little bit, I don't know. It, it, it's t- those scenes are tough. Cause it's like, you want to have those moments where you, you, you get into the famous stuff, but it always comes off as like really winky towards the camera. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just there was a there was a real lack of conflict in general. And I uh, – do you feel like the it, – it, to me, it felt like the through line of this movie was supposed to be Freddie Mercury does not know who he is. He has an identity problem.
1: Yes, that's the, the point, yeah. Right.
0: Did you really feel like that they landed that? Because no. I
1: kind of don't. No, because he – the whole thing from the, the start, right, he grows up with conservative uh, – immigrant parents, right? Mm-hmm. But he is not under their heel in any way. Like, he immediately steps out from them. He never seems conflicted about what he's doing. And I, I think that's the problem with making the conflict of it, because my understanding of Freddie Mercury and everything I've read is that he fully embraced his lifestyle that became mm. that came from this. And like, he, he wasn't sort of hung up on issues um, that the movie is trying to hint at that he, he has. And his... I don't feel that the identity thing really sticks because you never see any other side of him other than being a genius songwriter, like musician. Yeah. He's he's only good at it. And the, the, the like, there's, I don't see any, I can't think of a single moment in the film that's really, like, drawing him away from that. It's Mary, maybe his relationship to Mary, but that just feels like it's kind of a difficult friendship that is, you know, it's a very complicated relationship that they kind of work through fairly well. And then... It just goes back to him being fantastic. And I think, you know, I think it's summed up at the end where they made up the scene where he tells his bandmates about his AIDS diagnosis. And mm-hmm. Roger Taylor just goes, You're a legend, Freddie Mercury. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's, it's a little, it's a little silly uh, at that point. And I, I felt the same. I didn't think that his identity conflict, which is what the movie wants to be about, really came across that way because I didn't think that the movie portrayed Freddie Mercury as a particularly, um, nuanced character. Hmm.
0: Yeah. And they, you know, they get into it through text or I should say through dialogue where, you know, there's, there's that scene with him and and Mary where I think he says more or less like, you know, uh, I, I know who I am on stage. The only other time I feel that is when I'm, w- when I'm with you, that kind of thing. Yeah. But he's but like yeah, that you, with everybody. isn't Yeah. You don't ever feel like that's the case. Yeah. And you know, even when he starts going off the deep end, you know the deep end of a very shallow pool in this
1: movie um you don't he's calling everybody darling and beautiful the minute he runs into like he's he's very flamboyant yeah. the minute and that you, they're introduced to him
0: but you don't really feel that separation as much because he is so much of a freddie mercury the character is so complete in this movie in the way that he's portrayed that when the band falls away and, and Mary falls away, it just doesn't feel like it's, it's, it's working hand in hand with that theme of identity that they're trying to, that they're trying to do. Right. Um, Like I totally, I think it totally works as far as like, uh, you know, um, the hangers on trying to come in and pull him away. And he, and he gets uh, for lack of a better term corrupted by his success uh, we can talk about the we can talk about the use of the term "corrupted" in a minute because, like, man, that dude Paul, <laughs> the, they threw that guy under the bus. <laughs> Holy shit! Um, but you know, he he gets into the 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 classic musical movie thing where he starts doing drugs and sleeping around, but like, it's just different because he's gay, I guess. Yes. I don't know. And they, I like how he uh,
1: became gay too, which is just a trucker winks at him on the way to the bathroom. Too. It was,
0: yeah. Like there's no, there's no, I hate to say that there's no indication before that, that he's gay, even though I guess there is because he's into women's clothing and he's very flamboyant and yeah, stuff, but yeah. like, it's not the, the idea that Freddie, that this character just straight up doesn't recognize that he's gay until maybe that's unfair. I shouldn't say that, but like, that scene, that coming out scene where he's like, "I think I'm bisexual," and she says, "You're gay." Yeah, I feel it's like I he, they they don't use that as 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 much of a um, character thing as I thought they were going to. No, because it's, if
1: because it's if important. that
0: is the central conflict or one of the main central conflicts is him dealing with his sexuality, he doesn't really seem conflicted by it.
1: Well, that's the that's the thing I like in the. I've never read anything about how the band uh reacted to Freddie Mercury's homosexuality. And I'd be I mean, I'd the be band's shocked. name is Queen. That that's they true. Knew. That's true, but this is in the 70s and the 80s. I even true. if they're even if they're not, I'm not saying they're outright bigoted, but they must have had older views of homosexuality at that point. Sure. Like and the the film here makes it seem like uh, Amy was laughing because she was like, everyone else in the movie tells Freddie Mercury he's gay as opposed to himself saying it like no, he, mm. Freddie Mercury never says he's gay. But everyone else is just saying like, oh, your house is much gayer than it was last time, Freddie Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I, I think that the thing that's funny there is just that uh, the band like you never get a sense of what the band is like, and the only thing that you read now is because Freddie Mercury has passed away is that it's very, you know, it's very positive. They're not going to speak badly of oh, yeah, him or anything. Yeah. But I think it's, there must have been tension in the band around this kind of stuff. And like just being jealous of his success as a frontman and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like there there mm-hmm. must have been there and they never touch on it. His, his homosexuality is such a weird, it's almost like the movie feels that it's more offensive to talk about it, even though it's a yeah. big definition of what he is Caitlin, and who he was.
0: Caitlin said the same thing. It almost makes it worse. Like, the the way that they handle it, they almost make it worse by the fact that they don't talk about it. They just sort of, like, imply that him, uh, quote-unquote, doing gay stuff is part of this massive personal downfall. Right. <laughs> you know, because they, they, they never show him having a gay relationship no. until the end of the movie. Yeah, uh, He's got this relationship with Mary, but he's never in a positive gay relationship with anybody else it's all this like really seedy you know uh al pacino and cruisin type stuff
1: yes and
0: which i think is
1: accurate to him actually i think he 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 did like the party yeah 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 Yeah.
0: i mean there's you can go on youtube and look up footage of some of the parties that he threw and they are (laughs) you know they are something uh but like yeah but they they just portray it in such this negative way that it's 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 oh, I shouldn't say it. their lack of portrayal comes off as negativity, sure. Because it seems like it's, it's it's only linked to
1: AIDS and on some yeah, level. And yeah,
0: and in the movie, since they don't really explore it, it feels like it's under the under the under the what's the word? Uh, I was gonna say under the covers, but you know what I mean on the on the DL. Yeah. And it's like shady and X Y and Z. It doesn't come off as him exploring himself or or, or finding out. That's the irony of of having a movie about a character who. Can't seem to figure out who he is. But as you were saying, in real life, he seemed to know exactly who he was. Yeah, he was very, he was very
1: very open about it.
0: And he made really no qualms about the person that he was, as far as I know. I mean, you know, I, I'm sure that there were instances where he didn't want to talk about stuff. But at a certain point, he clearly was just all into who he was as a person and what he enjoyed.
1: Yes, yes. And they, they try to kind of get around that part by they have the uh, the press conference scene, which is just him giving sick burns to every single question yes. that he gets.
0: <laughs> until until the questions start turning into a very on the nose, like internal monologue being yeah. thrown back at him. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, I didn't, um I was a little bit disappointed in that too, because I think that that's one of the, you know, people would, maybe there would be some kind of feedback back that that's the generic concern about Freddie Mercury, but I, like... If you list things about Freddie Mercury, it's like number 1 great singer, number 2 he was gay. Like that's like the thing mm. that's the thing about number 3 he died of AIDS. Died of AIDS, yeah, and it's like those are the if you're not going to explore that in the movie or do it in such a way that it feels very half-assed. Um I think it comes off as kind of a mistake and it it, it neuters one of the most interesting parts of what Freddie Mercury was because having to deal with that kind of stuff in that era had way more conflict than what this movie wants to portray it as. Mm,
0: yeah, no, I would definitely agree.
1: He's, um, yeah. I, and I th- I think that the movie, I, I, you know, I think it's beautiful looking. Um, I think it looks great. I don't like the style of the performances that they do it, which it comes across as kind of a dream sequence in every time they're playing music. Mm-hmm. Did you like that? Or did you, did you notice anything? About
0: um, it? not really cuz yeah again it was it was so chopped up and part of like this big medley of rise to fame every time except for the last one uh that yeah it felt really disconnected and it had that problem that that most of these movies do have where you where you're you're doing a story about a band who played in front of hundreds of thousands of people at a single time but it looks like you shot it in a a, a high
1: school auditorium. Yes, it's very dark because, around the edges, and the crowd is yeah, and the,
0: and the sets the the stage feels very small, and uh, you know uh, they're playing at Madison Square Garden, and it looks like they they shot it at my high school basically. Yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know how you get around that. Um, again, not to go back to the Doors movie. I don't think the Doors movie has that problem because it, it's they the performance sequences are just so massive and full of full of people that it feels like this big cultural thing that's happening um but i did uh, you know i was thinking uh, i wish kind of that uh i know why they don't do this in the movie cuz it takes away a lot of fun stuff for the actors to do but part of me was kind of wishing that they would not recreate the live aid performance no i just, said that yeah just, play the Live Aid performance. I said
1: that to Amy. I would have wanted the last 20 minutes to just be the YouTube clip of the Live Aid performance. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I, like it almost, you know, uh, you, you you know why that is? Because the Live Aid performance is as good of a job as they did recreating it. And Malik mm-hmm. did a really great job sort of capturing. I thought that his, his perform. I'll come back to his performance of Mercury because I thought it was sort of interesting. It gets praised a lot, but I thought it had some weirdness to it. But I think that the The Live Aid stuff in his um, performance there was great. The problem with it is because it's the climax of the movie, so many shots are just people like in awe staring at Freddie Mercury, and it's really distracting. I thought it was really kind of cheesy.
0: Also, I really... uh, Unless you can find me some documentary evidence of Bob Geldof talking about it. I really doubt <laughs> that they got like no money until Queen started playing right. and then all of a sudden the the phones came off the hook. He ha- I don't know. He that has feels like the, pretty pretty cheesy. He has
1: like the New York Times uh, stock ticker of money above his yeah. office door is like $1 million. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, like I mean, if you can if if you want to f- find me an interview where somebody talks about that being the case, that's fine. I will believe it then, but that seemed really really cheesy.
1: They had the uh, the shot of the they're they shoot while they're doing live aid they're going to like different scenes and showing one of them is a bar and as Queen gets going the whole bar is holding hands and like swaying in unison yeah. with each other it, it's really over the top but that's what I mean by the uh fantasy version of the story as opposed to a documentary I prefer I prefer the Ray more documentary look at it where it feels more like this is actually what this guy's life was like um, yeah. and this was the reaction to him and I don't think Bohemian really does that but let's do you want to talk about live aid or do you want to talk about Malik's performance?
0: uh just talk about live aid quickly i um yeah i i i wish uh yeah i kind of wish they had ended the movie like the story of the movie had ended with them going on like going on stage and then if if they had taken like the technology they used for that peter jackson world war 1 documentary <laughs> and just thrown it at the live aid footage <laughs> so the last 20 minutes of the movie is just this fucking unbelievable representation of of what this show, what their performance actually was. Cause it's amazing. It's really unbelievable. They they are so fucking good. Yeah. And it's as cool as it was in the movie. And I think they did it pretty well, except for the, you know, the cheesiness of everybody, you know, people around the world holding hands. Um, I kept thinking to myself, you know, this movie is about Freddie Mercury. I want to see Freddie Mercury. And they give you a little bit of it at the end, but I, for me, I feel like the, the, the button on this would, would, it would have been great. And, and no movie has ever done this, so it's not like other movies have done this and, and, and to great acclaim. But for a, a front man and a performer like him, I almost feel like I want to end my movie by going, this is why we made this movie. This is why people talk about this guy. This is why people talk about this performance because these guys are amazing and he's unbelievable and he literally commands hundreds of thousands of people on by by his performance on stage. And mm-hmm. it would have been really it would have been really cool to be like this is this is why we did this at the end. But I understand why they don't. Um and I've really never thought that about any other movie. I don't know why I thought it about this one. But it just it just made me think like I I just I feel like I want to I want to end this movie with actually experiencing Freddie Mercury the the performer.
1: I thought it was because as um, accurate a representation as it is, like if you go back and you watch the clips, like the number of Pepsi cans and everything yes, on the piano yeah. are correct and stuff like that. Um, I doubt there's Pepsi in them, but whatever they were drinking, uh, I think that the 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 thing about it is that it's such a clean. Hollywood looking movie like it's very yeah, clean yeah. that it it comes across as really artificial in a way that the actual live uh, aid performance doesn't even though it looks the same in terms of their performances and the physicality of it and everything it looks very the whole movie has kind of a dreamy look to it everything's very glowy there's a lot of soft lights on everybody and that that's why I feel it's kind of like idolizing Mercury as opposed to doing a realistic Uh, portrayal of things, even down to the way that the film looks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, It's, it is very, it is super clean. Uh, And yeah, that performance at the end, while it's very cool, I I had seen, I guess we can kind of segue into talking about Malik with this, but uh, I I had seen a a lot of places criticizing him for like, is it really acting if you're just copying the person? Mm Mm-hmm. And he does everything down to the most minute movement from that Live Aid performance. Uh, it, it, it's it's amazing, and I, I read about it afterwards that he worked with like a, a, a choreographer to get every single movement Freddie Mercury makes down for that for that scene. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Pays off. I think it's worth
0: I, it. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, that's cool. I kind of wish they had just shown the actual performance then. <laughs> uh, but I I understand why they don't do that.
1: At least over the credits or something, you know. Like, yes. why don't they put it over the credits? I would I would have thought it would have been the if you ended the movie with him opening the door to go out on stage, and then it cuts to the live performance over the credits. I think that could have been a way to do it, but they they went with the uh, the recreation aspect. Yeah. yeah. Malick's thing was funny. Uh, I had never noticed Freddie Mercury's teeth, and I feel like that the movie <laughs> thought that that was his defining trait for some reason. Like it, it was a weird. A weird um, thing to point out on, on some reason. Like, and a lot of characters bring it up with him. And I, I thought it was a bit of an odd focus for him.
0: That's funny that you'd never noticed it, because I, I, I've never been able to not see it.
1: Did, to not see it.
0: Yeah, like, I, I've, I've always thought of Freddie Mercury as just having, like, this massive overbite or whatever he has.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't... Um... Didn't strike me as weird, and the other thing that I don't really know what Freddie Mercury's voice sounds like, so I can't tell how accurate his voice uh, cadence sounds here.
0: It's pretty close, from from what I remember. It's it's pretty damn close. Yeah, mm. actually, you know who sounds just like the the person he's playing is Brian, the guy playing Brian May. Yeah, he sounds just like Brian May, and he looks like him too. They did a good job casting people in this movie.
1: They did. They they all look like yeah, they all look like the band. Uh, Brian May is one of my favorite guitar players too. I think he's really oh, interesting. He's unbelievable. Yeah, he's a really he interesting plays, sound.
0: He, he, that guitar he plays, he built it with his dad when he was like 12 or something. And it's the same guitar he's played his entire career. (laughs) He also plays with a dime or at least a coin instead of a pick. Hmm. So that's where he gets some of his sound from. Yep. Uh, And it's like, it's, it's, his sound is so uh, identifiable and unique because it is completely from the ground up created by him. Like it's a guitar he built. He plays a certain way. It, it's all comes from him. So it, it, he's an amazing guitar
1: player. Yeah, he has a very um, the, just the way he plays the solos are they're very rock arena rocky sounding. But they they have sort of a I always think of it the um the we will rock you solo is probably one of mm. my favorite guitar solos. But there's some, he does this thing at the start where he sort of falls off the beat a little bit and then comes back. Mm-hmm. And I always I always notice it as it feels like a very um, unpredictable thing to do during his solo. And he does it. I always think it's really interesting.
0: Yeah, 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 he's amazing And you know, actually, uh, as far as uh, everybody else in the band um, I, for a long time, didn't realize that all of, like, the high notes in Queen songs are from Roger Taylor yes. Not from Freddie Mercury <laughs> yeah. I remember, I, I can't remember where I came across that But I was like, oh my god, that's Roger Taylor singing that That's not Freddie Mercury
1: Yeah, the, the, and they and, they, uh, do, they do that here with the Bohemian thing Where they just want him to overdub himself a thousand times Yeah And
0: John Deacon is also there
1: Yes. And John Deacon is there. Although I would like to see a biography about John Deacon because he strikes me as the most uh, interesting of those. He, he's like the blandest, most interesting one at in some. Uh, in oh, some yeah. I,
0: mean, yeah. I, I feel the same way about John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where he's just like the the, the stories about Led Zeppelin. I don't know why they've never made a Led Zeppelin movie, probably because everybody else in the band is alive still. Yeah. Um, But you they have. You want to talk about crazy stories. Led Zeppelin is very close to the top. But John Paul Jones is, like, never involved in any of those stories. I don't know if he actually was there when it happened, but he is not there when they're talked about later. And I have a book of uh, of interviews with them. And, w- at like, on one of the sections about all of those crazy things, you've got uh, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant talking about all this stuff and all of these rumors. And then the last quote is John Paul Jones where he says, nothing interesting ever happens to me.
1: <laughs> that kind of ties into the... Um... The pace issue here, right, which is that Queen is going along and then from one scene to the next, they all of a sudden have families and kids, except for Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Like it's a, um, the reason that they don't want to go out and party and everything is because they've got families back home. They just want to keep working and Freddie Mercury wants to go out and party. But it, it was very quick to the point where they have the scene where I believe their wives are with them as they're recording or as they're practicing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, are those, mm-hmm. their, are those their wives? <laughs> like, who are these well, people?
0: I was reading in the trivia last night after i watched the movie that um brian may's first wife was so upset with the way that they treated her in the movie that she was completely cut out of the movie oh. and i was thinking to myself where the fuck would there have been time to spend with brian may's first wife
1: <laughs> they don't spend the any thing. time with
0: anybody you know Was <laughs> there a subplot involving brian may's relationship with his first wife that they cut out <laughs>
1: <laughs> it must have been that party scene or something yeah, that that's a that's a weird complaint to have um or to, yeah to be upset with in a way that I can't even figure out how they would have jammed you in there in the first place but And like what what would what could she have done that would have been in the, affected the plot in such a way that
0: would <laughs> piss her off at the way she unless they like portrayed her as like a hunchback with you know fangs or something
1: She's the one who gave him the coin idea and they didn't yeah. they didn't do that <laughs> in the movie and she was very very disturbed by it yeah,
0: unless um, she shows up and she's like, "This is your new front man," and then just like throws a bunch of homo homophobic <laughs> slurs at him or something.
1: <laughs> what uh, what, what did you really like about the movie? I'll let you think about that. I'll tell you what I thought. My favorite scene was the um, them writing into playing "We Will Rock You." I thought that was that, cool. I yeah. thought that that was my favorite. I love the way that they, even if it's not true, the way that they sort of built up the why they would write the song like that. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Roger Taylor wrote that, too. It's not a Brian May thing that they were... Oh, they, yeah. That they got it would across. make
0: sense if Roger Taylor wrote it, yeah.
1: Yeah, because it's just drums. But I, I I think it's a Roger Taylor song. Um, so even if you take the liberty of Brian May who comes up with the idea in this one, I liked how they um, saw it as a way to get the crowd involved and then they segue into playing it. And I think that's a... It, you know, it's kind of generic because they play it at all sporting events. But that—that's a very queenie song to me. Like that's mm. maybe the most Queen song that I could think of.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I did I did like the scene where they argue about disco. Yes, and then then John Deacon starts playing the riff from another one bites the dust, and everyone's like, "That's pretty good." That's a good- <laughs> I, I I take back what I said. Well, that, this isn't going to
1: be a good. That ties song. into your thing of they never do good. anything that anyone is like, "This sucks." Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. This is this is yeah. terrible stuff. Except for like, you I, I want to fuck my car. They they really yeah. go with that a lot. <laughs> I yeah. did
0: I did really like the callback when they're at the party, and the, it's like like maybe 15, 20 minutes later, <laughs> and they just call back, and they kind of go past Brian May, and he goes so. What exactly is the most attractive part of the car? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I put my heart and soul into this song. No one is disputing that. And you don't like it because you want your songs on the album? It's not that, Roger. And what is it? I'm in love with my car.
0: Maybe it's not strong enough?
1: What does that even mean, not strong enough? No, I'm late. What did I miss? Discussing Roger's car song. Is it strong enough? That's all I'm asking. If I'm on my own here, then I apologise. How does
0: your new song go, then? You call me sweet, like I'm some kind of cheese. It's good. Wow. Is that is that you know when my hands on your grease
1: gun? That's very subtle. It's isn't a it? metaphor, Brian. It's just a bit weird, Roger. What exactly are you doing
0: with that car? Um, my favorite part. Uh, I th- I really liked the Bohemian Rhapsody performance at Live Aid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was good. I really liked the coming out sequence with his with his girlfriend there. Um. Yeah, you know, I, I the the songwriting sequences are tough because I feel like the goal for those should be how do we work in writing this famous song where it feels like it's motivating, it's plot motivated, or something that we're getting out of the scene moves the plot along. Yeah, instead or, of or just it's like,
1: thematically appropriate to play yeah, the song at this point. It,
0: Instead of just being like, it was at this point that Brian decided that two stomps and a clap would be a great way to put it, great thing to put into a song. Yeah. Um, And I don't know if they really get that here as much as they could. Um, I guess the one, because they both kind of are the same scene, right? Because it's both mainly freddie coming in late because he's drugged up and they're like you're late and he's like i'm sorry yes and then they start playing
1: queen is a very Uh, professional band except for freddie mercury who's late all the time yeah yeah Yeah.
0: um so i i think it would be i think it would be great to see a movie where if you're going to lean into that stuff have it it would be (laughs) i'd love to see a biopic that's entirely studio based where every single scene is writing a different song but it doesn't feel like they're exploiting that because the scenes that they've written around them are so good.
1: Sure, it would kind of like, be like it would be like four weddings and a funeral except every scene is like a song. <laughs>
0: that yeah, like through, if yeah. you did a Beatles movie, right? But and but the, the movie took place entirely during the recording of Abbey Road or Let It Be or something like that. And so you've got all of these things where they're writing all of these songs, but in those songwriting scenes, you've actually got this drama that's happening and yeah. it's playing out and moving the plot. I think that would be kind
1: of cool. Yeah, that, that would be interesting. Um, yeah, the, the that would. It would also be, a, it would hone in on a certain time, as you're saying, which is easier to do. I, I think that you can, you, yeah, I, I won't go too much into it because I kind of agree that I think the biopics for bands, especially ones that go for so long, needs to be a little bit more focused than this one is because you just yeah. have no time to get into anything. Um, yeah,
0: cuz i mean like i said it's it's what you're making essentially is a jukebox musical movie right yes where yeah. you've got a hit you've got a you've got the queen greatest hits 1 and 2 in front of you and you have to fit as many songs in as you possibly can yeah
1: it's kind of a music video for their greatest hits album you could think yeah. of it in that way yeah, yeah.
0: it's funny uh, uh my girlfriend went to see a couple of years ago now uh, we will rock you the queen musical and when she came home and told me about what it was, I couldn't I could not believe it because the the description she gave to me sounded literally like whoever was in charge of the musical saw Rock of Ages and these other jukebox musical type movies or or plays making huge money. And they said, OK, we've got two days this weekend to sit down and hash out a plot based around uh, Queen's greatest hits one and two. Sure. And, like, and you know, it's the thing where, like, one of the main characters is named, like, Scaramouche and all that kind of bullshit where it's like, it's the future and rock and roll is outlawed and only the main character of uh, Scaramouche and his fat bottom girls can bring, you know, that kind of shit. And (laughs) the thing that killed me, they didn't even play Bohemian Rhapsody in the play. They couldn't work that into the play. So at the end, during the curtain call, the screen behind them says, like, they leave and then the screen says... Do you want to hear Bohemian Rhapsody and then the whole everybody starts clapping and then the cast comes out and just sings it?
1: Yes. Yep.
0: Like it was it seemed like the laziest fucking thing I've ever heard of in my <laughs> life. And I don't think that this is that bad, <laughs> but that's the problem you run into with these with these yeah. musical biopic movies is you got to kind of tick all these boxes. Um Yeah, yeah. And uh watching The Doors last night, I it didn't stand out to me as much because I fa- oddly enough I think the reason that I keep referring to the doors movie is the doors movie feels like it's a it's made by someone with a vision for the story sure because Oliver Oliver Stone wrote it and directed it and it's full of a lot of really interesting uh at, at the very least interesting filmmaking techniques where you know they start blending reality to this, you know, native American fever dream that Jim Morrison has and all that kind of shit. Um, and it, at least it feels like someone with a vision for the material, whereas this clearly wasn't, uh, because Singer I don't know who fired, wrote it. Right.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. The, uh, it's, it's being oversaw seen by the band, which is going to hamper you to a, a great extent. I yes. would assume yep. it's PG 13. So you can't really get into any of the juicier stuff. <clears throat> um, the director got fired for a lot of reasons. For not
1: yeah, for, um, for not showing up was the stated reason. He was late, like yeah. Freddie Mercury. Yeah,
0: yeah. But I know uh, uh, Malik had a had a, had a big problem with him too. They got into fights fight uh, on
1: set. Yeah,
0: yeah. So you've got another guy coming in to shoot the remainder of the movie and and f- bring it through post production. So it doesn't feel. Quite as much like it's 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 someone with a, a vision for the material as much as like we have to get this Queen movie out. Yeah, it doesn't um, it
1: doesn't have a it doesn't really have a voice. I, I mean, it's a very nice looking, fairly yeah. stock standard, voiceless, perspectiveless thing. Like it, it's it's yeah. very it's very much a Hollywood movie in that way.
0: Yeah, and I, but I mean, when it, when you come to when you get down to it, if you're not running it through the analytical filter as hardly as as as, as you know as intensely as we do. Yep. Um, You'll like it for it's Queen. You'll, you'll like it for yeah. the music. Amy, Amy's like away
1: was, I really enjoyed listening to the songs during the movie. Yeah, that, yeah.
0: Was, that was my girlfriend's more or less the same response, where she's like, I love Queen, and I enjoyed watching a movie about Queen. Yep. And it's like, yeah, you know, if that's what you want, that's fine. Yeah. However, I think that we, we should probably ask this of all three of the movies we're going to cover. Yes. Does this deserve to be nominated for Best Picture? I feel like probably no.
1: I would I would say it does not deserve to win, and it does not deserve to be nominated. It doesn't deserve to be one of the eight movies, I don't think. Um, yeah. This is a solid C-plus of a movie to me.
0: I'm not totally sure why they nominated this, because there's nothing—it wasn't like a cultural phenomenon. Like, but say what you want about Black Panther. I understand why they nominated that.
1: Yes. That's the pinnacle <laughs> of Marvel's dominance, you could argue, too. Yeah.
0: yeah. This not so much. I mean, there's the Brian Singer stuff alone uh, would would uh, would make me surprised that they decided to put this up for a nomination. Uh, and le- maybe they're doing it in spite of that. I don't know because everybody managed to work through his awfulness. Well, know, they but. they
1: you know the thing about the Oscars this year they say they floated that idea of let's get a best popular picture movie which everyone laughed mm-hmm. at so hard that they rescinded it and they took it away. The nominations yeah. this year feel like they're a blend of the usual Best Picture nominees yes. with the most <clears throat> popular films of the year thrown in on top of that. They do. But again, is this one of those? This one got a lot of Twitter traffic. I, I feel yeah. like this one was really discussed. Maybe not out in like the world. It made a ton of money. Uh, a lot of people yeah. went to go see it, but it it feels like it was something that was very... I don't know. It felt it felt like it was something on Twitter, um, and it felt like something on the social media. I don't really know if it extended outside of that, but it made a lot of money. What it, if you want to let me know what you thought? I'm going to look up the biggest grossing movies of well, that you
0: year. Want me, you want me, you want me to let you know what I thought it made?
1: No, just like, like oh. did you? Uh, like, what was your sort of reaction to the the feedback? You felt like it wasn't a very big movie. Was it just because you didn't feel people were talking about it or?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I guess it just didn't feel like it was, you know, Black Panther feels like it has a wide reaching cultural impact. Mm-hmm. Um, this one didn't, you know, like I, not any more than any medium level tentpole movie that comes out like it, it's
1: this was the seventh highest grossing movie of 2018.
0: What what were the what were the first six?
1: Avengers: Infinity War.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say if I was gonna pick one, it would be a, a fin- Infinity War.
1: Uh, so it's Avengers, Black Panther, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom Two, Incredibles Two, Aquaman, Venom, and then Bohemian Rhapsody. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's kind of amazing, actually. Aquaman made um, over a billion dollars somehow, which is a, a, unbelievable to me. Hey,
0: <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but I, I'm looking forward to it because I hear it's it's at least worth watching. Yeah. Um, I can't I can't believe that Venom made that much money, but Here we are. Yep. Um, Yeah, like, I would put Infinity War up for Best Picture ahead of this movie. And I'm not just saying that because I like Marvel movies. Well,
1: like, what's funny about that list is this is the most, this is the highest on the list, I'd say, of what you, I'm doing finger quotes here, of, like, a traditional movie. The the Mm. others are superheroes and action movies. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. This is the highest, like, movie that my parents would see on this list. Uh, So Mm -hmm. maybe that's the reason that it was included.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I I think it it gets down to the... how arbitrary these things are in general. But, Mm -hmm. like, if... I guess they've... The Oscars have been around for, I don't know, what, 90 years now? Over 90 years? Yeah. Uh, And... They have a pretty clear, like, you know when something feels like an Oscar movie, and this just doesn't feel, feel like an Oscar movie. No, I mean no. Didn't feel like that was the intention
1: way. of it, and it somehow got nominated.
0: Let's put it this way. I am not surprised that Rami Malek got nominated for an acting Oscar.
1: Yeah, that's that makes sense. I, I'd agree.
0: I don't think the movie warrants a Best Picture nomination.
1: What else is it nominated for? If I can look. Is it just that? Let me see. Uh, Academy costumes, maybe picture, best actor, sound editing, sound mixing, and film editing.
0: That's that's fair.
1: Yeah, those are you know outside of actor and picture, the other ones are things that you can always the sound edit, uh, sound editing and mixing makes sense because of what the nature of the music. But yeah, they shouldn't even.
0: I uh, I don't know what else is nominated for costumes, but they should all just bow out because if Black Panther doesn't win that, then
1: <laughs> that's absolutely insane. So I think we're done with this one. Uh we'd both agree it's not really a great movie, but I didn't find it particular. I didn't find it offensive. Maybe the biggest thing I'd say about this is I found it a little bit boring while I was watching it. Like I got a little yeah. I kinda checked out a little bit when there wasn't music I mean, going on.
0: I'll be I'll be honest with you. I was more interested in the second half of it than I was in the first half of it because yeah. they actually yeah. there's like conflict involved and there's things happening and characters are changing and it's not just Look at how great we are for for an hour and ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. um, we didn't we didn't talk about Paul at all about oh, how sure. that 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 guy <laughs> is he was a real person and apparently according to the other met band members he was a piece of shit. Uh, but it's really they have that character in a really difficult spot because whether or not this is intentional, Paul kind of becomes the representation of 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 Freddie. Le- leaning into his gay side for yes. lack of a better term yep. into his homosexuality and he's such a prick and such a shithead that again that kind of goes to make fe- making it feel like Freddie's homosexuality is inherently a bad thing
1: yeah yeah Paul did for uh, that gay mustache what Hitler did for his little mustache I think <laughs> he's, he killed it for the entire thing I thought that see what I, what I thought about Paul was that Paul was a obvious construction to create any kind of conflict that they could get because they had nothing at that point so they had to go with um it's not freddie you know if this was ray ray was being a dick to everybody that's the reason that he caused it here it seems like freddie mercury's biggest problem is that he's kind of unaware of things like he's just not paying attention to what's going on so this villain paul can step in and screw over uh aiden (laughs) gian In a way on the limo which felt very uh hokey to me and then step into this like now i'm going to control freddie and have all the, the drugs and be a real clinger on and stuff like that and it really felt very silly and their scene where they're in the rain and he fires him felt really unearned because paul was not a villain to that level i didn't feel yeah. like
0: and i kept <laughs> that scene in particular i thought was funny because i was like these guys are like 50 feet to 100 feet away from each other it is pouring rain out and, and he whispering. is not facing him <laughs> yeah and he's got his back to him there's no way that they could hear what each other is saying.
1: To each other. <laughs> speaking to the boom mic freddy speaking yeah. to the boom mic
0: but you know like if you go back to ray ray has this underlying emotional uh component to it that kind of informs all of the choices that ray makes throughout the story mm-hmm. all of the, the the negative choices that he makes uh and well, it's you know, all about
1: him taking care of himself, as his mother taught him when he was blind, like he has to rely right. on himself, and so he he's willing to screw over a lot of other people,
0: yeah, and he's got the thing about his brother, which he he tries to suppress with drug use and all this kind of stuff, yep. so there's like a clear thematic character through line here, even when you get into that stuff, they can't show you any of it actually happening so and as he Freddie's starting to get into drugs and stuff is other people like pushing it on him and he's not really making any choices here. Right. Yep. He's like it's like it's strange to have him every choice he makes for the first half of the movie is uh correct and amazing and they establish him as this very sort of independent character to the point where he's only looking forward, you know, he does his parents, he doesn't want to do what his parents want. He's a very independent, confident person. And then you have the secondary story where he's not being confident at all. Yeah, and the thing that's turn that's that's causing his downfall is he's not making decisions. He's just sort of like he's coasting just so through the story. Yeah, he's just so yeah, passive which is, of a character. Then it's it's really weird that they have that much of a change. That's sort of. I don't really know what the there's no real well, pivot point. for I, I it mean, other I, than Paul shows up.
1: I guess you're. I guess that's supposed to be portraying the point of him saying that he's a different person when he's on stage. But it doesn't. It's not just a stage thing. Like his, he becomes more passive as his career goes on, and it's not particularly clear why that's the case. Because it's not like he falls out of love with making music or anything. He. He, he, I suppose he's supposed to be so swept up in the drug and sex things that he's just kind of pushing all of the other stuff to the side, but it never really comes across that way. It comes across as he likes to party in his free time and occasionally he's late to rehearsal, but like, there's no other um, negative outcome of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Other weird connection to the Doors movie, they both have scenes during a press conference where the lead singer says his parents are dead, but they're not. (laughs) It's very similar movies.
1: Uh, Yeah, they are. I mean, it's based on a... A band with a uh, like quintessential frontman who is uh, leading the charge, yeah. and the movies just come out very differently from each other. Except, except
0: uh, oddly enough, in the Doors, they go out of their way to make their music seem transcendent. Yes, when it kind of wasn't. Yep. Uh and in this movie, they don't really go out of their way to make their music seem that transcendent when it kind of was. <laughs>
1: Compare and contrast. High school taught as well. Yeah. Um, I think we're done with this one. It's Bohemian Rhapsody. It's at 62% on Rotten Tomatoes, the seventh grossing, seventh highest grossing film of 2018. It's nominated for a Best Picture Award. We're going to see who wins that in later February. Uh, we'll be doing Black Panther next. So you guys can see what the, the best and the worst are, and then we'll pick a B-roll at that time too. So um, as always, there's the social media links, Twitter, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. You can go to Discord if you want to join the conversation. Support the show on PayPal. You can support the show on by uh, buying a t shirt. They'll have a link. You mean Patreon. Well, there's a PayPal too. I want I always oh, feel like is? I need okay. to make that clear because people uh, ask if there's a non-Patreon way. There's a PayPal link down below. You can, you go can just t- send
0: us cat loose cash in an
1: envelope <laughs> That's if you right. want. I don't have to declare my taxes on that shit. Um any coins that you
0: send us, I will play you a guitar solo using them, like Brian May.
1: <laughs> you can buy a t-shirt on Teespring, there'll be a link down below, and then Patreon.com. Slash the Penske file is the best way to support the show. If you want to go there, you get extra stuff. Uh that's about it. We'll be back with Black Panther in a couple days, probably, because we need to get this out before the Oscars wrap up. So do you have any final parting words here, Clay?
0: Um, well, you know, when it comes to the Oscars, no matter how many films are nominated, in the end there can be only one.
1: That's true. And now we'll cue, the, cue uh, the Queen soundtrack to that, which is the most surprising soundtrack that you, they ever you did. You better
0: follow that up. You better commit to that because I'm going <laughs> to hold you to it. You have to send me also. A little- there's no Flash Gordon in this movie either. They that's the biggest thing. Sorry, I know we're on our way out, but <laughs> Queen was a bunch of nerds, man. Yeah, like, they, yeah. they're, they're they love nerdy across. shit. I think that comes. Do you across think it does? Okay, yeah, a cause, little bit. Yeah, because yeah, like they did soundtracks to Flash Gordon and Highlander, yep. which are which are. Not high-profile movies, but they are nerdy sci-fi movies, so, you know.
1: I mean, at least the uh, the band outside of Freddie Mercury comes across that way because they're very, True. as we yeah. said, professional, and they don't like to party, and they just are there to make music and everything. And they and they frequently mention the fact that they were going to actually get degrees in things uh, until yes. this band yeah. came across, so yeah. yeah.
0: So yeah, pretend, pretend that this didn't happen, and I just said, in the end, there can be only one,
1: and now play the music. <laughs> I think that's it. Um, we are done. I thought I had some other thing to say here, about. oh, I guess for the, um, we'll do as a sort of follow-up to this stuff for the Patreon, the second podcast in February, we'll do a, uh, looking back at all the best picture nominees since 1990 and trying to see if the best film actually won that year, because I think that. Uh, the best picture stuff is better with a little bit of distance. And I think that even if it's obvious that Bohemian Rhapsody shouldn't win best picture, uh, sometimes it takes a couple of years to see what the actual best picture of a year of a particular year was. So if you want to listen to that, you can join patreon.com slash file. All right, Clay, we're done. Thank you uh, for joining us. Thank you for listening to us discuss Bohemian Rhapsody. And we will see you next time with Black Panther.